Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, all right. Come on, somebody. Are you glad to be in church today? It's going to be a great day in church. Listen, last service, um, you, you, got to, you got your work cut out for you. You want to top last service. I'm just saying, I need you to lean in today. I need you to, uh, you, you know, I, I am not one of those preachers. I, I'm a hollow back preacher, okay? I need you to hollow back at me, all right? It, it, it's, it helps me. It helps me. It doesn't, it's not for my ego. It lets me know my, I made my point. I can move on. So if you want to get out of here quickly, then you just talk back to me, all right? You can say amen. You can say that's good. I had one lady, listen, I have one lady in Mississippi. She's a sweet, sweet old lady. She would stand up and she just give this face. I was like, all right, I know I'm preaching good when she stands up like that. So you just, you talk back to me today. Have you been enjoying this series we're in? Come on, this legendary series. It's been an incredible, incredible series. We, uh, we're looking at how to have faith for all that God is calling us into. And uh, how many of you believe that there's more for your life? Come on, there's more for you. I believe there's more for us individually. I also believe there's more for us collectively as a church. I think God's calling us into some big things, some big moments, but we got to build our faith up. We got to work that muscle in order to walk in everything that he has for us. So PC started off this incredible series and we've talked about every, by the way, let's get, I know they're, they're watching online. Can we just for a second, listen, listen, before you, before you do this, because I want to give you I want to prep you on how to adequately respond to what I'm about to tell you. Because um, I believe, number one, you give honor where honor is due. And uh, there is a special anointing. Trust me when I say this. There is, a, um, there is a, an anointing and a weight that comes with not only planting a church, but pastoring a church and leading a church that is not for everyone, and it is special, and it is God-given, and I'll tell you, the weight that our pastor carries, that family, Pastor Chris and Tatum, it's, it's heavy, and it is incredible. They do a fantastic job. Can we honor for just a second Pastor Chris and Tatum? Come on. We love you. We love you. We love you. You're amazing. Um, I wish you were here. It would be better. Uh, but they're stuck with me today. So, uh, hey, I, I am excited about this word. I'm excited about this word because, you know, when we talk about faith, um, we, we talk about faith, it's often associated with terms and phrases like giant leap of faith, right? It's, it's typically associated with like, God's calling me to something like huge or there's something that's bigger than me. Like I, I don't, I gotta take this big step, this giant leap. And I think sometimes that's true. Sometimes God calls you into, into such a large and unknown place that it is a giant leap. But I would argue 
that more often than not, faith works itself out in steps. It's, it's not so much the giant leaps as it is the steps that we take. And, and I would argue that it's the daily steps that we take. And so I want to talk to you about how to, how to walk in faith, how to, how to walk in faith today. As a matter of fact, today our title for the message is Walk This Way. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I didn't know you're going to be getting some, some Steven Tyler up in, in this place. Come on, t- tell your neighbor, say, walk this way. Now, now sing to your other neighbor, say, talk this way. Come on. Walk this way. I think we can learn from Jeremiah today. He's our character. He's our legendary character we're going to talk about today. Jeremiah, and I'm going to go to Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32, so if you have your Bibles, grab them, turn there, swipe there, whatever you got. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. We got two big ones on the side here that you can look at. But Jeremiah chapter 32, I see, I see a bunch of people turning. Come on, that's awesome. Brought you a paper Bible. It's leather bound. It's better than the person next to you. Come on. Love it, love it. Jeremiah chapter 32. If you're there, say there. If you're not there, you're just going to have to fake it like you're there. You can look at the screens. All right, Jeremiah chapter 32. I'm going to start reading, reading in verse 6. I'm going to read verse 6 to 15. Verse 6 through 15. All right, let's get after it. Jeremiah 32, 6 says this. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalem, your uncle, will come to you and say, by my field that is at Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard. In a court, by the way, the court of the guard there means that Jeremiah is in prison. The court of the guard was an area that he could go handle some things and deal with things and talk to people in, in prison. So Jeremiah is in prison. He says, in accordance with the word of the Lord, and said to me, by my field that is at Anathoth, In the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Verse 9. And I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy. And I gave the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin. Come on, somebody, can we just take a second? Right there, just breathe. That's a lot. In the presence of Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, I charged Barak in their presence, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed and put them in an earthenware vessel that they may last for a long time. Verse 15, we're there finally, guys. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Come on, can we pray together? I feel like we need to pray after that. That was just a, that was a lot to read. God, we love you so much. Thank you for what you uh, want to do today, what you're going to do today. God, speak to us, change us. Um, Holy Spirit, don't let us leave the same way we walked in. 
God, even, even in these moments of repetition, things that, you know, we come to church all the time, and God, I just believe you want to do something fresh, you want to do something new in us. You want to speak to us in a new way. You want to lead us into a new thing. So God, speak to us, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say walk this way. I want to be your cousin today. I, I don't want to be your cousin who's like never had a job and you like wonder if they're ever going to do anything with their life. I don't want to be that guy. I I don't want to be your cousin who like knocks on the door on Thanksgiving and you're like, how did you find us? You know, we, I mean, we're glad that you're here. Like, so glad, so glad you're here. We tried really hard for you not to know where we were having Thanksgiving this year. But now that you're here, we're, we're glad you're here. Now, I want to be your cousin today that gives you the opportunity to buy a field. I want to give you the opportunity to buy a field, and I know what we read, you're probably thinking, how, like, what in the world does this land deal from thousands of years ago have to do with my life today? And I totally get it. It was a very lengthy uh, portion of scripture. It was very detailed. Um, it's, it's the most detailed portion of scripture that describes, you know, a land purchase or a purchase in the Bible, and we just... We read it, and, and I know if you're sitting here today, maybe you don't have a like lengthy background of studying the Bible or maybe church in general. You could probably ask the question, like, what, what does that mean? Like, why, why are you even telling us this story? Like, that's great. Jer Jeremiah bought a field. Like, so, so happy for him. Yeah, was I supposed to bring a housewarming gift? I don't I, I don't know what that means, but I, I want to give you three steps today from this process, from this legal process in Scripture. I'll give you three steps today to help you walk in faith, to buy the field, and take some ground in your life. Anybody want to take some ground in their life? Anybody want to move forward in their life? I'm going to give you three steps today. Because one of the things you have to do when you are reading the Bible is you got to learn context. You got to know context. You got to know what's, what's happening in and around the area, what's happening in this time, what's happening. And there, there's, there's a narrative happening in the Bible, but there's a meta-narrative. You, you got to understand context. And when you understand context, you understand that, that God's speaking and God's moving and God's acting and people are responding and people are acting and people are moving. And, and we see this, that, that God is speaking and Jeremiah is responding. He's listening. He's moving. And it gives us some instructions for our life today. Uh, it gives us a couple of things. Number one, it gives us a promise that God's still speaking. He's still moving today. He's still active today. Come on, do you believe that? That God is still working today. And, and I believe that God is moving and acting and speaking, and he's just looking, like Jeremiah, he's looking for some people who will just follow his instructions. He's just looking for some people that will just do what he says. And when we do that, when we follow his instructions, he can then move our life forward. So the Bible says that Jeremiah, his cousin, comes to him in prison and says, I want you to buy a field. 
Jeremiah is in prison because he keeps telling the king that this nation of Babylon is going to come and is going to take over Jerusalem. And the king didn't want to hear that. The king didn't want to hear that. Uh, Jeremiah just kept saying it and kept prophesying and kept preaching it. And so the king didn't want to hear it, and he threw Jeremiah in prison. So Jeremiah is in prison because he is preaching the word of God to people who didn't want to hear the word of God. Jeremiah's in prison because in he in prison he hears a word from God that he is to buy his uncle's field that's going to be sold to him through his through his cousin. So he's in pre, he's in prison for preaching the word of God, but I want you to catch this that even though he's in prison for preaching the word of God, he's still hearing the word of God. And I want to give you the first step to walking in faith, to walk this way, the first step is you're going to have to choose conviction over current events. You, you got to choose conviction over current events. Jeremiah was faithful to God's word even when it wasn't currently convenient to be hearing a word from God. I don't know about you, but if I'm in prison, I'm, I'm probably not asking the guards like, Yo, can I get some access to Zillow in case there's, you know, there, there's maybe some investment opportunities I want to, you know, seize, I want to take part in. I, I'm definitely not looking to buy any land if I'm in prison. I'm pretty sure the theme of my life is, oh my gosh, I'm in prison. Somebody get me out of prison. And Jeremiah hears a word from the Lord because what, what you got to understand is the real, even though the reality of his life is that he's incarcerated at the moment, He's still leaning into and still listening for the word of God because the, the mistake that we make is that we don't live intentional lives that are based on convictions that says this is who I am and this is what I should do. Instead, we simply respond and react to whatever is coming into our lives, to our current events. And I want you to write this down. This isn't on the screens, but I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Come on, anybody taking notes? Come on, note takers or history makers, you need to take notes. I don't know if you know this, but if you, know, you take notes, you're like 97% more likely to get into heaven. Just saying, that's not true. That's not true. Don't, don't. Don't take that. Somebody's going to take that one statement. They're going to video that one statement and put it on. That's not true. But take these notes. Write this down. Conviction leads us to make intentional choices. Conviction leads us to make intentional choices. So when I have convictions, I make intentional choices. Notice this. Current events always lead me to make impulse reactions. Convictions lead me to make intentional choices. Current events lead me to make impulsive reactions. So whatever's going on in my world, I'm always responding to it instead of living out of intention because I have these core convictions that say this is who I am and this is what I should do. And the Bible actually talks about this. It talks about people who are tossed like waves in the wind. And when the wind blows this way, that's the way that they go. And when the wind blows this way, that's the way that they go. If negative circumstances come this way, then I'm going to go negative. And if the positive circumstances come this way, then I'm going to be positive. And the Bible says don't don't, don't live like that. James actually tells us in chapter one, he says that, that he talks about people, people who are unstable in all of their ways. Anybody know anybody unstable? Le, le, it, James tells us that when you live like that, he actually tells us in the first chapter that you can't expect to receive anything from God when you live like that. 
when you live always just, just flowing and going with whatever the wind blows you. Whenever current events come my way, I just respond to it, and that's when I'll make my decisions. James says you can't receive anything from God that way. So hear me, you can't base what, you can't base what you're going to do in your life based on what's happening in your life. You can't base what you're going to do in your life just on what is happening in your life. And people make bad decisions because they experience something good. We, we got people, people will marry the wrong person because falling in love feels good. We, we, we got people that make bad mistakes because while we're making the mistake, something good happens and we're addicted to good. So we think that the bad thing must be good. And so we continue to make those mistakes. And the whole, you got to take a step back and say, I'm going to live out of conviction, not out of current events. You know, it never fails. We, um, you know, we, we believe in tithing as a church. We preach tithing as a church. And, and, and every time I, I've ever preached it and ever talked to somebody that's going to take that step in their life and start trusting God with their finances and putting him first, giving him the first portion of their income, it never fails. There's always, there's always somebody that just in their mind, they just think that like, I'm going to start, I'm going to start tithing and it's like, God's just going to, you know, he, it's like, he's just going to start just making it rain just over my life. Like, uh, I'm just going to start tithing and I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to receive it while he's just, he's just pouring it out and I, I'm tithing and he's giving, and, and can, can I tell you that every time that happens, there's always, you know, uh, somebody loses a job, or a, uh, there's an automobile repair that needs to take place, or there's a new bill that comes in, and I, I don't know, I'm just kind of wondering that, what may, maybe God's just asking, like, are you going to live out of a conviction that, that tithing is biblical, and it's my plan for your life, or are you going to live based off of current events and what is currently happening in your life? Because we can't move forward if we're always being tossed by the wind. Does that make sense, everybody? I, I know this, this is going to be a little heavy today. I'm going to step on a few toes today. I hope you still love me afterwards. Don't, don't hold it against me, but I'm just going to preach this like I feel it for a little bit, all right? I just, I told first service, I'm feeling a little sassy today, so I'm just going to go for it, and I'm just going to preach what I think the Bible tells us, all right? Is anybody okay with that? Y'all okay with that? All right. I want to give you really quick I've got four convictions that I want to give you, and there's, there's a lot, but I only have time for four. So, so I want to give you four. I've got three points today, but my first point has four convictions. So, so we're going to move through it quickly, all right? So get your get you pen ready. Get your notes ready. Here's four convictions that I believe will help you walk in faith. Number one, you got to get a conviction about church attendance. I know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, and you're like, I'm here. What are you talking about? I'm here. you got to get a conviction. I think every believer, every believer should have a conviction about church attendance. The Bible says to forsake not the assembling together as some do. Some have the habit of doing. As a matter of fact, he says you ought to lean into it more as you see the day approaching. we got to get a conviction about church on Sunday. You got to get a conviction in your life that says whether or not God gets the first part of my week is not based on how I feel in the moment or based on my calendar. It's based on a conviction in my life that says success in my life begins on Sunday. You got to get a conviction 
about church. I, I, I'm just, I'm going to set the first part of my week to be found in the house of God, in the worship of God, with the people of God. Come on, somebody. We, we live in a generation where, where the average church attendance is every four to six weeks. The average church attendance is every four to six weeks. And, and I just want to encourage somebody today to get some conviction about church on Sunday. That the gathering of God's people in God's house is what Jesus established and it's what is going to sustain us until he comes back for his church one day. We got to get a conviction about, about church. Trey, that's easy for you to say because you get paid to do this. <laughs> and you're right, I do. This is my job, um, but it's not my kid's job. And uh, we've even had to have this conversation, like very recently we've had to have this conversation. Um, because, you know, it's really, you come to church, and especially my kids, like there's, there's days where they've got to get here really early in the morning, and, uh, and, and then they're here, you know, all day, and then we've got an event after, or maybe even something that evening, and it's like, man, it's just an all-day thing that they're, they're at church, and you get church all the time, and it's, it would be really easy, and has been really easy for us to just be like, you know what, kids, like, y'all, y'all can stay at home today, like, we'll catch the, you can come to the evening thing, or you can stay at home today, and it's really easy to do, but can I just tell you that, that my family, we've had to have this conversation that says, Roberts go to church on Sunday. It's a conviction that we have as a family that me and my house, we're going to be found in the house of God with the people of God. Every chance we get, we're going to be here because we know that when, when Sunday happens, success happens in my life. When I put God first in my week, he then honors and blesses my week. When I put God first in my life, he honors my life. And and blesses my life. So we've just decided, hey, I, I know that other people plan things on Sunday, but Robert's going to be in church on Sunday. And you got to get a conviction in your life about church attendance. You got to get a conviction in your life about, about church. The second thing, you know, we just need some Christians that get some convictions about some basic things. I think, I think, I think God could do something miraculous in our city, if the believers would get back to some convictions, you know, I, we, we, we want to reach the lost. We want to reach the lost. And if, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that's going to change before the service is over. But, but I believe that God wants to do something miraculous through his church if the, if the Christians would just get back to some basic Belief, some basic conviction. So the second thing, second thing is serving. Serving. Spiritual success is not just about receiving. It's about what you contribute. When you get saved, it, it's a personal thing. But you're saved for something corporate. You're saved for something bigger than yourself. You weren't just saved for you. You were saved to serve. So whether you're in person today or you're watching online, and I don't know, maybe you're watching online. We've got a lot of people that, that, that watch online, and you're probably watching by yourself. But can I tell you, you're, you may be watching by yourself, but you are not by yourself. You're a part of something bigger than yourself, and this is what God has called us to be a part of. God has called us to something greater 
And the path to fulfillment is not about you perpetually living out this thing that's just between you and God that can turn selfish and church can just become this thing that, that I go to, to to fill my needs and to, to support my agenda. But he's called you to do something more with your life. He's called you to something greater. He's called you to something bigger. He, he, saved you. he saved you for free, but he's calling you by a price to pour out your life in service to the kingdom of God, to advancing the gospel, to reaching the lost, to serving others. He's called you to be more than what you're currently doing. He's called you into greater. Got to get a conviction about serving, how I'm going to serve this thing called the kingdom of God. The third thing, it's God's word. You got to get a conviction about God's word. You got to get a conviction in your life that says God's word is true and everything else is false. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get a conviction that says God's word is not determined by my circumstances. It's determined by what God has already said. And I don't base my life and my decisions and my thinking and what I want to do off of what I want to do. I base it off of the truth of God's word. Because everybody believes God's word's true until they want to move in with the person that they're dating. And, and I just, I wonder, like, is God, I, I, I feel like maybe God's asking, you know, are you living out of the current events of your life that, that you could, you know, make you could save money by moving in together and you could try it out before actually making a commitment or are you gonna live by conviction that says I know what God honors, I know what is true, I know what God's word says and I wanna live my life out of conviction, not out of current events. Does that make sense everybody? Because it got real quiet on that one. <laughs> you gotta get a conviction about God's word. Hey, can I just, I didn't say this first service, you gotta get a conviction about reading God's word. You won't know God's word if you don't read God's word. And you gotta get a conviction in your life that says, I, I, I need to study the word of God. I need to be in the word of God. I need to read and hear and listen to what God is saying to my life. You gotta get a conviction about God's word. Number four, you gotta get a conviction about prayer. You gotta get a conviction about prayer in your life. And one way you can measure your conviction on prayer is you can, you can measure your prayer life against your post life. So I've, I've seen and experienced a lot of people who think they can change the world with this, this one social media post. Like, my family's finally going to get it when they read this. Or, or I, I'm going to change the government. I'm going to change the tide of our government and our country with this one Facebook share. I can tell you what can change the world, and that's a people of God who get on their knees and seek the God of heaven and say, God, would you move and plead with him to, to heal our land and, and say, God, here I am. Send me. Use us. I think we ought to be a people of prayer. I'm talking about persistent prayer. I'm talking about passionate prayer. I'm talking about warfare prayer, never giving up prayer. I'm talking about prayer that goes beyond ourselves. I'm talking intercessory prayer. We got to be a people that say, I'm going to pray as my first response, not my last resort after everything else has happened because I've got a conviction in my life. So I need a conviction on church attendance, on I need a conviction on serving, on God's word, 
conviction on prayer. I promise you that if you will settle in your heart today, if you will settle in your heart today some convictions, I promise you God can move your life forward. The first key to walking in faith is choosing conviction over current events. You know, Paul had some convictions in his life. I was actually talking through this message with some of our, our guys that are here today and um, have a, a young men's small group that we meet, and we were talking about these convictions. And Jacob, was it you or somebody that brought up Paul? Maybe it was Alfonso. I don't Brought up Paul, and it's like, all right, I got to add that. I got to add that into the message because Paul had a conviction in his life. And everywhere Paul would go, they were telling him, it's like, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be you're going to be bound, you're going to be thrown into jail. And this one guy, he, y'all, he had to be over the drama ministry at the church because he was, y'all, like, dramatic people are crazy. I, we love, I love you. We need you. But uh, this one guy, he said, he, he, he's prophesying to Paul, and he actually, he starts to, like, take his belt off in church. I'm sure people are like, what? are you disrobing in church right now? Like, security call. It, and, and he takes Paul's hands and he, he binds Paul's hands and he says, hey, how I've bound you, that's how you're going to be bound when you go to Jerusalem. And Paul's like, you could have just said that. You didn't have to. Yeah. But when we need somebody for the Christmas program, we'll call you. But, and he's, he's bound and he says, how I've bound you here, you're going to be bound when you go to heaven or when you go to Jerusalem. And Paul says this in Acts and I, y'all, this is a life verse for somebody. This is tattoo worthy right here. Somebody, this is a life verse for somebody right here. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says this, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. And I don't count my life dear to myself because here's what I want to do. I want to finish my race, and I want to do it with joy because I'm not holding on to anything. I've got some convictions in my life. I'm not, I'm not letting my circumstances and what's happening around me dictate my decisions in my life. No, I've got convictions that I'm living out of. So number one, you got to choose conviction over current events. Number two, second step, is then your behavior has to align with your beliefs. Your behavior has to align with your belief. So it's one thing to believe it. It's one thing to get a conviction about it. But it's another thing to act as if you believe it. See, one of the mistakes we make is that we adjust our beliefs to accommodate our behavior. Crickets. I knew that. I knew that was coming. It's okay. I'll get some claps here in a minute. You don't have to be perfect. Hear me. I want you to hear, hear this. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be determined. You got to be determined, and that is when your behavior is out of whack. You don't adjust your beliefs because your behavior is out of whack. Your behavior has to constantly get set by the north star of your beliefs. So, so when you misbehave, you don't go, well, I'll just, I'll slide my beliefs, right? I'll slide my beliefs to make my behavior feel okay. No, you just own the fact that I'm misbehaving, but I know what I believe. And this will actually help you in life. This will, this will free you in life because it, when, it's not hypocritical. You just say, 
hey, I know what I believe. I, I stink right now, but if Jesus will help me, I'm going to get better. Like, you, you don't change your beliefs to make behavior okay. Does that make sense, everybody? Is that helping anybody? Do y'all still love me today? Is that all right? All right, all right. So I have to constantly make sure my, my beliefs are in line, my, be, my behavior is in line with my beliefs. And so Hannah Mel comes to Jeremiah and he says, I want you to buy a field. Here's the context. Again, context, you gotta have context. The Babylonians were invading and they were actually right up against Jerusalem. They were so close. So, so Anathoth, the area where the field was, they had already um, conquered that piece of land, that part of the land, which means, which means his cousin and his uncle, they're desperate. <laughs> like, they're, this land is worthless now. It, according to the, you know, the, the time when Babylon came in, then it was Babylon's. Like, it wasn't Hanamel's anymore. It was, it was Babylon's. And so he's probably needing money. He's pro- probably needing some money. And Jeremiah had been prophesying that Babylon was going to rise Babylon was going to come, but Babylon was going to fall, and God was going to restore his people. So you know what Hanamel was asking Jeremiah? He's basically asking Jeremiah, do you believe what you're preaching? You know what I think the world's asking the church today? Do you believe what you're preaching? Hanamel asked Jeremiah, are you going to put your money where your mouth is? Babylon now controls this land, and it makes no sense for Jeremiah to purchase this land. It makes no sense. It's worthless. Like, Jeremiah, if you're going to buy this, I, I got some oceanfront property in Arizona. Thank you, George Strait. Like, like I, I got, I'll sell you the deed to the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, I've got some, some deals for you if you got the money for it, because this makes no sense. Bab- Babylon... Um, Babylon becomes symbolic in your Bible. It was a real nation. This really happened, but Babylon becomes symbolic, even all the way through Revelation, becomes symbolic for the systems of the world that stand opposed to the kingdom of God. It's, it, it represents the governmental systems of the world, represents the economic systems of the world. Babylon is, is symbolic, and Jeremiah stands in this place that I've got a conviction, and it's that that God's word is true, and even though I'm in prison, even beyond my current events, I, I need to believe what God says. And watch this, I don't just need to believe it, but then I need to behave as if I believe it's true, in spite of everything that's happening around me. Jeremiah made a proclamation with his faith that Babylon is going to rise, but Babylon is going to fall, and what will remain are God's promises over his people. So Jeremiah bought the field in faith that God was going to fulfill every promise he had ever given. So Jeremiah, by faith, he, he weighs out 17 shekels of silver and says, you know what, I'm going to buy the field in faith that Babylon's going to rise, but the kingdom of God will prevail, and it's going to have value, and it's going to mean something again. And and I just wonder if this wasn't the passage of scripture that Jesus was studying in his devotional time. When he had this idea to come up with a parable to describe the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says this. He says, 
How can I describe the kingdom of heaven to you? How? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Jesus said that the kingdom of God, this thing that you and I collectively are trying to advance, this thing that, that God's purpose is for your life, the thing that, that we're trying to move forward as individuals in your life, the plans of God, the purpose of God, the promises of God in your life, Jesus says that it's like a field that had a treasure in it, and a man sold everything he had to go buy that field. But I want you to notice, you know, sometimes when we read stories like that, when we read passages, we, we see what did happen, and we ignore what didn't happen. Notice what didn't happen. Notice that the man didn't say, you know what, there's, there's weeds in that field, and, and there's thorns in that field, and, and there's rocks in that field, and and because of that, I, I'm not going to buy the field. No, the man knew there was a treasure in the field. And he didn't ignore, he, he didn't choose not to buy it because of the problems in it. He said, there's a treasure in the field. And so I'm going to gladly sell everything that I have to go all in and buy that field. And I think, you know, sometimes it, when we get up and we preach a message like this that says, you know, you know, you should you should put God first and you should really lean in and go all into this thing called church and you should you should lean into and 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 make the purchase of what God is calling you to do and the plans he has for your life and the purpose that he has for your life and it's real easy to look at it and say, yeah, yeah, I I get that Trey, but but there's problems in the field. Like, like you can look at this thing called church and what God is calling us collectively to be a part of to advance the kingdom of God. You can look at it and say, Trey, Trey there's, there's, there's thorns in that field. And like there's, there's people, there, there's like thorny people in that field and they've, they've hurt me and they've cut me. And Trey, you don't know what's happened at my last church and our leaders disappointed me. And, and there's, there's, there's thorns in that field or, or, or Trey, there's, there's weeds in that field. There's people that look one way and they're actually something else. And, and, and there's people that, that, that say one thing and do something else. And there, there's, there's weeds in that field. Or, or, or Trey, there's, there's rocks in that field. There's, there's division. There's, there's historic racial strife. There's, there's all kinds of things that are coming against the church and the purposes of God. There's, there, there's hard choices I have to make. There's things I have to get around. I have to move my schedule around. I'm going to have to sacrifice some things. There's, there's some things that I'm going to want to do that I'm not able to do. There's some things that I'm going to have to move around. I'm going to deal with difficult people, Trey. I'm going to have to deal with difficult people if I buy that field. But can I tell you, can I just be honest with you for a moment, that there are weeds and there are thorns and there are rocks, but I bought the deed to this thing because there's a treasure in the middle of this field and his name is Jesus Christ. There's a treasure 
in this field and I'm sold out to this thing called church. I'm sold out to this thing called the kingdom of God. I'm sold out to this thing called the purpose and plan of God for my life. And I'm not overly focused on what the government's doing right now because governments come and governments go, but what prevails is God's promises over his people. And I'm not too concerned with the economy right now because economies rise and economies fall, but what stands forever is the kingdom of God. And there is a treasure in this field and so you got to go all in you got to buy the field even when your circumstances say otherwise even when there's other things happening in your life I'm going all in and buying the field and I'm mildly excited about it I want to be your cousin today I want to be your cousin that gives you the opportunity to buy a field I want you to notice that the last thing Jeremiah says, and this is the last step to buying the field, to to walking in faith, to, to seeing all that God wants to do in your life. It's number three, you gotta live with legacy in mind. Jeremiah told his acquaintances here at Barak, he, he says, I want you to go take this deed and I want you to put it in an earthenware vessel. An earthenware vessel was just this, it was this container that would preserve documents. In fact, if, if you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, anybody heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah, this, this was, man, I wish I had time to tell you this incredible story of, of how they were discovered. And, um, but the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were found in earthenware vessels and they were over 2,000 years old. And so Jeremiah, what he's saying is, I'm probably not gonna see the fulfillment, but I gotta make some decisions today that are gonna outlast me today. I, I gotta make some decisions today. I gotta, I gotta get some convictions today that I may not even see the benefit from. But he says houses and fields and vineyards are gonna be bought again in that land. It's gonna have value for generations to come. And here's, when you buy the field in your life, when you settle some convictions in your life, and right now I know that the enemy's already talking to you like it's not that big of a deal, it's not that, you know, it doesn't matter, but I'm telling you, when you buy the field, when you get some convictions, when you, when you align your behavior to match your beliefs, and when you live with legacy in mind, you're not just making a difference in your life, but you're making a difference in your children's lives, in your children's children's lives, in your children's 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 life. You know, we statisticians are saying today that this generation that we're raising up is the most uh, unchurched, uh, biblically illiterate, far from God generation that has ever come before it. And can I tell you that it's not their fault? It didn't start with them. 
If it started with them, we wouldn't see it in them. It started with the generations that came before. And so I'm just believing that there's some people today that God's speaking to you. Hey, you got to buy the field. Like you've been playing with this thing called the kingdom of God. You've been playing with this thing called church. You've been playing with this thing called the purpose of God for your life. But I'm calling you to something greater. I'm calling you to something generational. I'm calling you to make a difference, not just in your lives, but in the lives of generations to come. There's some generational curses that need to be broken in your life today because the decision you make today I know mom and dad didn't do it. I know grandma and grandpa didn't do it. But your kids can do it. Your family can do it. Because you make the decision to buy the field today. And live with legacy. Legacy in mind. You know, we serve a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When he's calling you to something, he's not just calling you to it for yourself. He's calling you to it to make a difference for generations to come. So I want to give you the opportunity today. Um, in the passage, Jeremiah's cousin, he came to Jeremiah because in that day, you were obligated, before you put anything up for sale, you had to offer it to a family member first. They wanted to keep land and possessions in the family. And so it's called the first right of refusal. And so Jeremiah had the first right of refusal to buy the field. And today, I want to, as the team comes, we're, we're going to close a little different today. I, I want, I just think there's some people today, I'm, I'm talking to believers right now. If you don't consider yourself a believer, I'm going to talk to you in just a second. But I want to talk to, I want to talk to the, the people of God today. If you, you think that you, you call yourself a Christian, I want to give you the first right of refusal. I want to give you the opportunity to do some business with God. And instead of me just saying a prayer and us moving on, I want to give you a, a moment. This, By the way, this is not your cue to leave. This is not the end of service. But I want to give you just a moment. We're going to sing just a, very briefly. We're going to sing this song. And I want you, if you would, just stand to your feet with me. Just stand, stand to your feet right where you are. I want you to just do some business with God. For some of you, you know, you, you know, you go to that place that's just you and God, like right, just in your seat, like you just go to that place. For some of you, you may say, like, I, I need something more. Our prayer team is right in the back. They would love to pray with you if you're like, I need somebody to pray with me right now. We would love to pray for you. But I want you for just a moment to do some business with God. And I want you to ask him. I want to think through those convictions. Think, think through your life. Think through how you're living your life, your approach to your life, and your approach to the kingdom of God. And I want you to ask God, is there something that I need to adjust? God, is there, is there something I need to settle in my life? Is there, is, there, is there a conviction that I need to, is there a hard decision I need to make? Is there a hard conversation I'm about to have to have? Like, I just want you just to ask God to speak to you. And I want you to settle today that you're going to live out of conviction for the things of God. And so as we sing right there in your seat, you can worship, you can pray, you can ask God to speak to you, and then I'll come up for our, our last invitation, and we'll close in just a moment. But can we just worship together right now? Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. 
It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. 